When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening and welcome back to Heart and Hand. This is Heart and Hand Extra, your second free show of the week. I'm your host, Adam Thornton, and joining me tonight, we have none other than the overlord himself. David, how's things? Not too bad. I see we've both gone for the heart look to try and avoid blinding the, the viewers with our baldy heat. So yeah, um, a wee bit of consideration shown by the, the Heart and Hand team straight out of the bat. I hope the, I hope the viewers appreciate it. Yes, good to be here, Adam. Um, seems weird these weeks without games. Uh, it just it feels like Rangers for about what two years have been playing, you know, know. midweek weekend, midweek weekend, and having these full weeks apart seems a bit a bit novel. I think I'll get sick of it soon. I was going to say, do you not do you not feel like you're forgetting yourself a little bit? Because I got to maybe was it Wednesday? I got to Wednesday afternoon, and I was like, oh, I have I for, like I feel like I've forgotten something. Whether it's going to a press conference or whether it's Am I supposed to be going to a game and I've not organised a babysitter? It feels a little bit weird when you get that out of your out of your uh, your routine. Absolutely, and I, I think a lot of us and a lot of the, the people watching this will plan a lot of their life around football. I mean, it's such an important part of of everything that 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 we do. And it, you know, you're a Rangers fan; it, it means a lot more, and there's a lot more to it than that because you're either thinking about it, talking about it. I mean, the the, U, the Europa League run last year, we were either travelling thinking about travelling, trying to work out how we were going to travel, delayed yeah. somewhere, um, and it just it never stopped. So maybe maybe we all needed this kind of decompress, but I wouldn't mind a good solid European run next season. No, definitely, definitely. I think um, I noticed that the Hibs, uh, my just tickets come out, and that's been moved to midweek because of the cup final. That one had passed me by, so at least, at the very least, we'll have a midweek game. I think that's 8th of March, um, but then I think that's us until the split. Um, which is is not ideal, so we'll have plenty of time to to get used to it. Um, press conference day today, David. Um, Todd Cantwell. They seem to be pushing Todd Cantwell <laughs> quite a fair bit. That was a signing press conference. Then there was a pre-match press conference. Then there was a post-match press conference. And then um, I think we've had another one today. He does speak very well. What I like about him is he's quite um, thoughtful. I think in some of the things that he says, and he actually seems to like riff off your question rather than just giving you a sort of predetermined um, answer. He's always quite, oh, that was a good question or mm, doesn't give you the stock answer. I, I think he does speak very well uh, and he said himself he is getting settled in now. He's seen probably um, both of the extremes of the challenges that we'll get with Tynecastle um, Hearts away and then obviously the two games against St Johnston and Ross County but he does seem to be settling in and, and enjoying himself. It's a good start so far. Yeah, I'm not surprised that they've um, wheeled him out a few times because, as you say, he is very intelligent and he does give good copy. And it's not just to the press, it's also to Rangers internal press. Um, he makes good content. He, he's a good interviewee. Um, also, there are some players who enjoy it, 
who who like the chance to go out and speak to the press and get their, their thoughts and their personality across. And there are others who hate it. Um, Alfie hates it, barely ever does it. Um, Alan McGregor doesn't particularly like doing it, barely ever does it. The guys at Rangers that are, are really good at it um, are Todd Cantwell, clearly, but also uh, Scotty Arfield is yeah. a really interesting guy. Ryan Jack is, is a really interesting guy. Lindstrom, Lindstrom. 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 Uh, Stephen Davis, but yeah, cl- look, there, there's no scientific way of doing it. Generally, they'll ask in the dressing room, and two or three will put their hand up and they'll pick from that. Um, it, it, that's why you tend to get a lot of the same guys because it's the guys who are comfortable in that environment. And I think with Todd Cantwell, I think he's very well aware that you you have to try and bond with the support. He comes from his hometown club where he grew up, and he was one of their own, and. Yeah. The, the bond is there, you know, yeah. it's there by canal osmosis. But with us, he needs to sort of endear himself. And the two ways to do that, of course, are one through the media, but that'll only take you so far. The other way to do it is be very good on the field. Absolutely. And I think it's maybe not an exact science, but you think of those players like, I couldn't tell you the, the last time if we've ever had a even a pre or a post-match, as in post-match in the... Um, in the press room with uh, even like a Ryan Kent or a Glenn Kamara. Um, and it can be quite um, difficult, I think, to figure out their personalities. You just have to take it as they're quite shy and reserved because they don't do these things and it's quite they don't do them very often. So I, I think, like I said, it's not an exact science of being very confident means you're going to be a great player. But I think we would all like to hear uh, more from the players and have a bit more rotation in there. So if that's something that that comes and it's guys like Cantwell and Raskin that are going to be quite verbal and things. I think that's only a good thing for us moving forward. Yeah, it's like everything. It's communication. But, I mean, one thing that none of us can complain about is communication from the manager. I mean, he's very, no. very honest. Um, I know, an honesty that seems to have rattled uh, a lot of people in Scotland because you get Michael Bale as a heart on the sleeve guy. You know, there's, there's no act, there's no artifice. Um, there's no wall in the way that Stephen Gerrard put a wall up as soon as as soon as Steven Gerrard he could be laughing and joking with you and he would do. And yep. then as soon as the camera went on it was shum. And you actually physically saw him stiffen. He would sit up and it was like right game. And then as soon as it was over he was away. Gio was the same. Um Giovanni Van Brunner's people complained about his press conferences. That's because these guys have been in football since they were what 10 and have been media trained at huge clubs and they automatically just go into that defensive mode and they don't give anything out. Not defensive as in passive aggressive, just yeah, closed. You know, wall, right, closed. That's a better word for it. So um Michael Beale isn't like that. And it will be interesting to chat because he is still very young in his managerial career, if that alters, but I really don't think it will because it's just no. not who he is. And I and I get the impression that he would know if he wasn't being true to himself, and I don't think he would be particularly comfortable with that. Yeah, I think so. I think maybe that crazy spell in January where it was a feeding frenzy with transfers and things. Um, it was obviously going to be more information, I think, coming out than um, than it would be now, for example. So I think he is a little bit more closed now than, than he was. Still very, very open compared to what we've seen. You're 100% right. Um, but one or two things do always sneak through. And the one today was that uh, Antonio Cholak will get his chance um, in the game on, on Sunday. Um, what's your thoughts? I've heard a few people saying they He's absolutely not a fit for, for this system. A few people saying, oh, is he really going to be the answer going forward? It's a, it's a really tricky one, isn't it? Because he was absolutely on fire earlier in the season. 
it's natural when a player gets injured and then gets injured again, as he did when he just came back, um, that they're maybe a little bit slow to get into the rhythm. What What's your take on, on I guess, the, the sort of short term for him? What do you think um, he needs to do over the next three or four months to have people, um, not on his side in the summer, but to have people saying you're going to be first or second choice striker? At the moment, he's playing to an audience of one. He's playing to Michael Beale. Unlike a lot of the other players, he doesn't have any past credit in the bank with Michael Beale. Yeah. And that is just couldn't be helped because obviously he wasn't there. Um, so he needs to impress Michael Beale and say, I can be a part of this. I don't ever see Antonio Cholak being a Beale first choice striker for the bigger games. I see Cholak as being a sort of Chris Boyd figure. Yeah. Um, and a guy who can help you in the games, especially at home against opposition who are sitting in, he's great at finding a half yard of space and then a deadly finisher. Yep. And that, we need that. Let's look at the you know the last two home matches, Adam. Mm-hmm. We, we saw exactly that. You know, two one and two nil. Yeah. Well, particularly impressive performances. We go to Tyne Castle and we play. Absolutely, you know, superb stuff. And Alfie was in his pomp, two goals and roaming about, battering the centre-halves. I still think there's a need for a Cholak-type striker at Rangers, somebody who can play within the penalty box, someone who can get on the end of things and finish. I think we would all agree that if you're going up against a higher level of opposition or a game away from home where you might not have as much of the ball, then another striker who's more of a cog um you know, sitting there who can link up, who can bring the midfield in, who can bring the two number tens in, um, is useful. So yeah, I mean I, I think I think Cholak, the manager has spoken about being excited. Look, cards on the table, he's he's looked pretty rough since he's come back. There's no doubt yeah. about that. But I think we all understand that can happen after an injury. I don't think anyone's holding that against him. No. I just I look back and I and, and I know the boy comparison is, is a little bit lazy, and I'm certainly not comparing them as players. Boyd was lethal, you know, credible and consistent with it. Um, first spell, uh, I think even he did, Matt, uh, he said. But I, when you go back and you look over these seasons, you remember the big games and the big goals, but see the amount of two ones and one nils, Adam, yeah. one that you need to win the title, yeah. and it's a double for Boyd, Boyd with a winner. And it maybe doesn't add up right there, but it adds up at the end of a season. And I, I think, think Cholak can provide that. He's not on a fortune, you know, he's, he's on a good wage. He's not one of the very top earners. Um, and I think there's very much a place for him there. And he'll know that himself. I mean, Sunday's a big game, um, you know, for him and for us. It's, it's the cup. We want to retain it. Yep. And I, I think he'll be, be very much looking forward to getting his opportunity in that. I do think there will be a kind of, ceiling for him. I don't see him playing, as I say, at maybe Tynecastle or Parkhead or the big European nights, but he can still make a very valuable contribution, I feel, to Rangers. And I feel like that's that's the key. We always go all sugar, all shite, don't we, with, with everything, for want of a better, a better phrase. It's not that he's a, a backup or a super sub or anything like that. It's just um, in certain circumstances, there'll be someone there. For example, the, the game against the game against St. Johnston, the manager said Morelos could have had a hat-trick Cholak might have had two goals in that game, given what we, given what we know about him. So it's quite important, and I think as well, um, with the way that the other two or the other three attackers, if you include Tillman, with the way that they're playing, with the way that Raskin looks like he'll get forward, and I'll come on to him in a second. Um, 
Cholak maybe will be less of an island, if you like. I do think his link-up play is a little bit underrated. It is nowhere near maybe the levels of guys like guys like Roof. And guys like, yeah, just it's just one of those things that then becomes a, a sort of lazy observation, if you like. But with players running about him, with Sakala in there giving goals, with those half chances, like you said, dropping in the box, you think of the game at the weekend there where there were so many chances. The manager said we were so fussy in the final third. Cholak is not fussy in the final third. So... Oh. Putting him in there um, will be um, very, very good. And as uh comment in here, he's got a really good attitude. Doesn't seem to like take the huff or anything like that as long as he's part of the setup. So things like that are great. I, I am a big fan of him. I think he's he's definitely shown enough for me that if we had to start him in, in most games, to be honest, I think we'd be absolutely fine, provided that we set up the team to, um, to his benefit. Um, the manager also said that he will be playing a, a very close to first strength team or, or or he won't be making too many changes I think was was the words that he said um, I'm not surprised at this I wonder if you are because we, we have the week to week now um, and also because the only time we've won the Scottish Cup in the last five years has been when the manager or longer than that but has been when the manager isn't here I think it will be extra importance for him given how annoyed he was um, in the three or four years before not to win a, a cup so I'm not too surprised that we'll, we'll see a pretty much close to full strength 11 are you? No, I'm not. And I was a little surprised when some of our, our friends, Adam, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners will do this as well, you send out your team for the weekend and you get a discussion going. And there were loads of changes. And I wonder sometimes if we're just conditioned to that now, that, oh, we've got a cup tie against a lower division side, we can play X and Y and Z. And normally, I get it. See, if we were playing this, you know, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, then absolutely, this is a game to put these guys in. But when you're not, then I think that that's a candle that's just gone out in case anybody's wondering. I'm not smoking, I promise. <laughs> um, see, um, I, I, I think that it's, I, I don't really understand why. You believe in two weeks between some of your guys getting a game. You don't really want that. Then you're getting no. into the areas of guys actually dropping out of the rhythm. So. Yeah. I don't really see any any valid reason whatsoever to play a, a, a weaker team in this match. Now, you may want to say, we'll give Alex Lowry a game because we want to give Alex Lowry a start, right? That's different. Raskin, for example, absolutely you, you start in this match. But, for example, Scott Wright, what have we got left to learn from Scott Wright? Why start Scott Wright? He's been featuring as a sub. He's probably going to be a sub until the end of the season. Uh, yeah, yeah, you could make seven, eight changes, but to what ends? I, I, I think that if I'm one of the players and I'm coming off the pitch against um, uh, against Ross County, I'm kind of going, I want to play next week, otherwise it's a fortnight till I've got the boots back on again. I, I just think in terms of rhythm, for me, you're, you're then getting into that period where, you know, you, you need... The counter it always is that if they get injured, somebody will go, oh, why were they even playing? The footballers, they should play football. You hope they don't get injured, but it can happen at any time. It can happen on a training pitch. We know this. It happened to Rio Ferdinand when he was playing his Nintendo. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I would tend to go with that. I would, as I say, you know, maybe a Lowry. I could see that uh, ahead of Tillman. But I, I also think, Adam, this team could do with pasting somebody. Yes. Absolutely. I think that's a key point. In the post... Um, a little bit, but I think they could really do with taking it out on somebody. 
Um, we've made enough chances in games to do it. And, you know, you mentioned to Johnson, we should have scored at minimum of four that day, minimum. Um, even Hearts, we were a bit unfortunate. And Hearts couldn't have, that was a brilliant performance, but Hearts couldn't have complained if that had finished six or seven nil. No. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that for me, I would, like, I don't really understand the, you bring in X and Y players, maybe a, a younger player to give a wee bit of game time. But overall, the, the squad players are squad players for a reason. Keep the first team guys in a good groove. Yeah, if I was picking a team just now, I think I'd be looking at maybe, um, I was going to say keep the same goalkeeper, but I think McGregor will come back in. I'm not sure if I've got the energy for another goalkeeper debate, um, given how much we've spoken, spoken about it recently. I think we both know um, where we are with those goalkeepers. We know that we need a new number one in the summer. I think that much is, is obvious. Um, McGregor, I think, come back in. I would keep the same back four. I think that's that's now close to double figures, if not double figures, in terms of the, the games that they've played in a row. We need to keep that going. Um Lundstrom, the manager said, will not be uh, available for the game. So we will assume there that it's Ryan Jack playing. I'm going to assume it will be um, Nico Raskin that, that comes in for his first start, given how bright he looked. Um, and then after that, Kent, definitely, uh, I think. Um, Cholak's going to play. I think Tillman will get that rest this week, though, David, just because he obviously wanted to rest him last week and then couldn't and brought him on. So I think he'll probably get that rest. Yeah. Um, and that's and fine. For Campwell and uh, and you know you're good to go and then say to Lowry you're getting half an hour today yep. regardless after an hour he's coming off and you're going on um, and that and might I be think... the same case with Hadji and Sakala for that other spot say Hadji yeah. gets an hour and Sakala comes on it's integrating players that are first team players and you'd be comfortable yeah. playing in most games rather than like you said rotating players that, that maybe aren't going to be there moving forward. So um, as Chris McNaught says, it's a good opportunity to get Raskin and Cantmill up to speed. So the strongest team around them would be would be quite beneficial. Um, I know you probably mentioned it on, on the flagship, David, but we've not really had a, a, a live discussion about it yet. In terms of Nico Raskin last week, um, when I fall for a Rangers player, I tend to fall quite quickly. That free kick for... And hard free kick for Tavernier against Hibs um, eight years ago. As soon as that went in, I was like, oh dear. Tom Lawrence, I think, against, was it West Ham? I was like, oh, that's he's yeah. the one for me. Um, and then that 10 minutes on Saturday. I'm not sure if it was because it was just a, a bit of a turgid game. We were absolutely freezing in the press box. But as soon as I seen him come on with those socks, I, I thought at half-mast, but it turns out they'd been massacred to, to hell. Yeah, um, yeah. As soon as I seen that happen, I thought, you are for me. And I thought... Like I said, I may be going over the top because of the context of things, but that 10 minutes there gave me um, real hope for the future. I think if he keeps going that way, if he keeps talking the way he is and the sound bites that we're hearing, I think we could have someone pretty special. Um, what were your thoughts? I assume you'll start, him to, you'll start him on Sunday, first of all, but what were your thoughts, I guess, on that 10 minutes or so? Definitely agree with Chris. Uh, I would get him on the side, get him 90 minutes if possible, um, get him back up to speed uh, as quickly as we can. He looked very exciting. We've all done this in the past, though. We've all, Lasana Koulibaly springs to mind, um, where you just you fall in love with a midfielder really, really quickly. Because we've had such a dearth of new midfielders to fall in love with. And yeah. I, I think that you're so desperate to, to, to really love them. The counter to that is we're also quite quick to go, he's rubbish. Yeah. Um, so I think with Raskin, though, you can't always explain this, but there are some players the fans just take to yeah. straight away, I think. And 
he's one of them. And you can never really judge why or who. I don't think we as fans can. It just kind of happens that you go, yeah. And the way he plays and the way that he says, you know, that he wants to play and the way the manager describes him. Because I think there was some discussion in, in the Scottish press that he was basically just the, this little attack dog. Yeah. That about, thing came about very early doors, yeah. And he's not. And you could see that he's very, very technically good, which is no surprise from someone who's come up through the system in Belgium. You would expect that. But he is, and that stands out in Scotland, somebody who's got that technical ability, as we know. Um, but for me, the thing that impressed me, Adam, was the physicality of the game didn't bother him in the slightest, which is always a thing in Scotland. And yeah. he, he looks to me to be a first-pass-forward guy. And by that, what yeah. I mean is it, it's just your automatic instinct. We have midfielders. That is not their automatic instinct because no. that's not the job they've been brought up to do, and that's understandable. But when they get the ball... Even if they're trying to press forward, it isn't always the urge you get. And I know it drives you nuts sometimes when it takes five passes to get to Barisic or to get to yep. Ken when the pass could be done in one. Um, he looks as though the, he's the guy that bypasses a safe pass kind of diagonally good, four yards yeah. and just goes direct to the guy who's open. Um, and we desperately needed that. We desperately needed that. He also looked quick. Which yeah. wasn't something that was listing his attributes. So I, I'm really looking forward to watching him go. That's the thing, watching him go, Cantwell as well, Adam, we've finally got two players who you, you look at and you go, these will come to the peak at our club. And that's just, that's fantastic. I think Ross has maybe nailed it here as well in terms of, I think the quality in terms of theoretical, what we think, what we know, what we can see, but faster pace and, and movement, um, I think is a huge thing because we've seen players like Sakala and Matondo come in who have got loads and loads of pace. What I think we see with Raskin and Cantwell is that mental quickness, David, that, like you said, make that decision, we'll go. There's an energy there. I think Cantwell has surprised me in terms of, um, again, it's a preconception of you think of that type of player as a luxury player. And he absolutely has that about him in terms of gliding about the pitch. But off the ball, um, I've been quite surprised with what he wants to do, kind of getting stuck into some tackles and things. Um, and I think Raskin, maybe again, that preconception because he's been called a pit bull and because he's been called a defensive midfielder and things, I can see where that's coming from because off the ball, he is like a little ball of energy. Um, he wants to go and, and get the ball back, etc. But it doesn't mean that he's just a destroyer because he's it's, it's part of his game, that off ball and on ball type thing. But I think the, the speed of thought is the thing that we've been looking for a lot, particularly. And again, this is something Cantwell spoke about, um, which I really like. David was he said in the press conference, the pressure is on him as a attacking player, creative player, flair player to go and break down these teams, and he sort of thrives on that pressure. I think Raskin will be exactly the same. Yeah, and I think that the fact that both of them are so keen to come, I think, is is a huge part because they they want to impress, and this is one of the legacies of the Europa League run that people saw Ibrox at its best and they saw it and they thought, I, I want to be part of this. And that's something that we had lost over the last decade, unfortunately, but it's come back now. And they're keen to make an impression and to, to, to bond with the fans, but to be successful, to win things. Both of them fell out with the previous clubs. So that, that atmosphere, that environment of we are very glad to have you. We are grateful to have you. I think that they are feeling that maybe more than a player that, that we'd had to go and persuade, you know, and really work to 
to talk into coming. You sometimes get players who show up at, at any club and look as though they think they're doing you a favour. Yeah. And you don't get that vibe at all from these two guys. But in terms of what they bring, the most important place, which is on the park, um, I think energy. And I think that this we had at times this season uh, a team, I think, with an average age of 30 in one month. Now, yeah, <laughs> without being ageist, um, because that's still a lot younger than I am, I think that we needed an injection of energy into the side. And we needed we needed freshness, and we needed somebody that was going to pep something up for us. And both of these guys are bringing that. I thought that the fact the Hearts' performance came up was indicative of me. The fact that Kamara and Lundstrom played so well is because they went all oh, competition. Yeah. And it's you, you hear from footballers all the time. They'll tell you when a good player arrives at the club, you go up a gear in training because you want him to think, "Oh, he's really good." Player. And I think we saw that against Hearts. And I'm looking forward to seeing it throughout the rest of the season because, you know, that's a big month for us. We've got a cup final coming up. Um, progress in the Scottish Cup is available. And I think that, that, that that's an exciting time for Rangers. And I think that if people kind of buy into that, rather than us having to go to the, keep going to the battle with the same guys who were looking tired. And now what you've got is the team suddenly has a bit of kind of zazz that it, that it, it's been lacking all season, really. Yeah. I think so. And just to round off that chat on, on Raskin, Jim Lamb has asked, where do we think Raskin will play for us, number six or number eight? I think it's great that he can do both, but I guess they can all do both, really. Right, um, Kamara can can do that. I don't necessarily like Kamara as the sole number six. I think we've seen some of his, his passing in there when he's a deeper midfielder can be a bit questionable. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Um I think it will be. I do think it will settle down to being Raskin or Kamara and Jack or Lundstrom starting uh, in the majority of games. I think that's the way that we will go. But without again putting too much pressure on for Raskin, I see him having the best bits of Kamara's game, but also having uh, uh, quite a lot of the, the weaknesses that Kamara has. Raskin doesn't seem to have in terms of going forward, being natural, maybe being a little bit more. Again, I'm loath to use the word aggression, aggression, but having a bit more energy off the ball. So I, I think mostly he will play as that number eight. Um, I think Joshua on the Rangers Review used a really good term the other day. Rather than holding midfielders or defensive midfielders, it's probably controlling midfielders. Those those four are controlling midfielders that want to control the play. Whether they are behind the ball doing it, whether they're ahead of the ball doing it, that's up for debate depending how the game goes. But I think controlling players, but I think it will definitely split into... Raskin and Kamara, Jack and Lundstrom um, on that side. Yeah, I agree. I think that you, uh, I think if everyone's fit, I think it's Lundstrom and Raskin. I think that's what the manager yes. will think as well. If everyone's fit and in form, obviously, then I think that that might be the combo that he goes with. Um, and, and on paper, and the very little we've seen on Raskin, you would think it'd be complimentary. On the controlling thing, again, keep going back to it, but it was such a good performance. Time Castle, that's exactly what they did. They just bossed that and they went and hunted the ball and they got it forward quickly um, and intelligently as well. And the front players thrived off the service. So that's kind of what that midfield's supposed to function like. And if we can get it functioning that, but add in these extra weapons that hopefully Raskin brings, then we should be in a good place. For the, what is it now, fifth or sixth time in the last 30 or 40 years, we've got rumours of a, a European Super League. David, what's your what's your thoughts on that? I see the SPFL have come out to, to speak about it today. Do you think this is something that is just inevitable now, given the trial 
couple of years ago or the, the botched trial a couple of years ago? Do you think this is something that will happen now or is it just one of these things that comes around when it's a slow news time? I think that it's always, as you mentioned, it always comes around every so often, but it's coming around with more rapidity now. And, and the last one was the most serious attempt at it. I mean, that was the closest we've ever actually come to it. So, yeah, I I think it is inevitable. I think that the bigger clubs of um, within Europe have kind of made their mind up that they don't make enough money. We're in a, a new age of owners and they're going to think financially. So I can definitely see that there being a split at one point. And I think it was common sense that the people who were involved in the first one would go away and look at what people's complaints were. One of the complaints was, it's just you. So we're hearing now that it will be 60 to 80 teams involved in it. Um, we were hearing there was no pyramid. So they're saying that there will be, albeit limited, there will be some promotion and relegation. And if you take the biggest clubs from each of the smaller countries, so if you take us, and unfortunately you have to take that lot probably, although, you know, ESL, do yourselves a favour. But, um, you know, if you go to uh, Portugal and you take Porto and Benfica and you go to Holland and you take the Giants from there, there'll be less complaints because the majority of supporters in those countries follow those sides. So it's a clever way of getting around a lot of that that anger. Um, If it is going to happen, then... I would prefer we were a part of it because you don't want to be left behind, um, even though it will be very, very strange to to be operating in this. From, from a Rangers point of view and from all the clubs who would be involved in this, Adam, the key thing is every year you would be guaranteed these 14 European matches every year. So yeah. you can budget for that income every year, as opposed to it's great if we get there or saying at the start of the season, we need group stage football, but panicking until you've got it, it, it reduces that element of risk. And that's why I think this one will be popular with owners. And I can see the likes. I mean, if you're Copenhagen, for example, um, you, you're going to want to go into this. And I, I, I just, I think it's inevitable. I think that there's going to be so much push uh, that when it, it finally comes to fruition, um, and we may be five years away from it doing so, but eventually I think that the football's changed too much. There's too much money involved. The people who are running the bigger clubs now have made very clear that they don't think they make enough money. I'd look at someone like Barcelona and say, stop pissing your money up against the wall. You make a fucking fortune, but um, we a bit too late for that there. So, yeah, uh, what do you reckon? Yeah, no, I, I think so. I think, like you said, that that um, guaranteed 14 games or whatever, uh, I think is really key because you think about it this year. Um, for us, I know there was debate about, yes, we'll spend, maybe we won't spend, but we only had three days, wasn't it, to, to try and get, get someone in. I think people think that you're able to just keep players dangling on and saying, right, I'll, I'll maybe sign you once the Champions League, if we get into the Champions League, when in reality you've got a player that's probably sitting there unhappy at his club and wants to move and doesn't want to wait until the season's a few weeks old. So removing that uncertainty, um, I think, is is pretty key. Um, we've, you could probably say we've removed it this year, but ideally <laughs> we wouldn't want to be so rubbish in the league that we don't think we're going to win the league by September, October. So... Um, I think this is a this is a decent a decent halfway house. And I think you're right. I think there's 
so much lobbying for change. I think you look at Italy and you look at Spain, as much as people think um, the, the league are at odds with Barcelona or anything like that, I think they're, they're just trying to implement their rules. And if something comes along that makes their clubs richer, I think overall, as much as they're debating that it's not a good thing and it's this and that, I think if they can make their clubs richer and benefit their overall game and be sold on a plan, then I think more will start to go for it, especially now that we're seeing this big disconnect. It was fine, fine when it was just the top five, if you like, David, or the big five leagues, and, and then it was Holland and Portugal and things underneath that. But now we're starting to see France falling really far behind and Germany um, and Italy. Um, and Spain won't be far away, given those problems that we mentioned as well. So I think those clubs will see the way that the Premier League is going and think probably we need to we need to think of something else um, here. As Chris said, the only option I can really, the only opposition I can really see will come from big six English fans. They're quite happy with the current circumstances. Yeah. And they absolutely are. I think that's that's a fair point. I just think there's probably now more than five years ago, even maybe even more than three years ago, there's there's other clubs that are now seeing that their teams are being impacted. And do you know the other reason for that, Adam, is that now the, the big six is exactly that. It's a big six, it's not a big four. Yeah. And that means that every year at least one or two of them are going to miss out on Champions League. So Chelsea won't get there for example, this year by the looks of things, and they'll miss it on that revenue stream. Um, and as American owners, they have, you know, FSG at Liverpool. Liverpool are struggling to make it this year as well. There's no way that these teams are going to be happy at missing out on that Champions League revenue. So even if, if you get those top six English clubs involved, then they don't need to worry about reaching the Champions League anymore then that changes around as well. And, yeah, that, that's what I mean. It's just that they had the abortive go and they appear to have gone away and looked at what they got wrong or what the opposition focused on and they've come back with a plan. Will it be ideal? The interesting thing to me as well is, you know, how will Rangers fans handle being in a league where we are unlikely to win it? Um, yeah. in the foreseeable and might take a few doings. Equally, I would argue, well, we've been in Europe before this season and, and taken doings. So um, it might not be the most fun thing, but if it helps us financially and that helps us win domestic trophies, then yeah, I think we'd all be for it. And this is an, an interesting point from Ian. I have to admit, I haven't looked to see how how many teams from each league, etc. they're talking about. I don't even know if it's gone that far, but um, Ian asks, would a new Super League change transfers? We wouldn't hold the ace of European football to dangle in front of players over other clubs as we do now. And I guess that's a, that's a really good point. You think of clubs like, I don't know, Southampton, etc. David, that we can say to players, do you want to go to Southampton? Yes, you'll get double the money. Well, we would still be able to, Adam. They won't be in it. That's that's the thing. It will be... They're not taking the whole of the Premiership and putting it in. It may be, be more. It may yeah. be more, though, I guess, is the... Yeah, look, yeah, but then we will always be able to say, look, we're part of this. Yeah. And there will be a lot of clubs who aren't. Um, it's like if somebody gets an offer from a premiership side, then you're in a bit of bother anyway because they can say, well, we'll double your wage. And, yeah. you know, European football is great, but it doesn't quite offer that. Um, so I, I think that you, the fact you'd be able to say to somebody, if this exists and you say, you sign a three year deal for us, that's 52 guaranteed. European appearances you'll make. Yeah. And, you know, the smaller clubs, so generally the players that we're at, the smaller English clubs, it's not Man United or whatever. 
Um, I, I tend to agree with Ryan here. If anything, it would strengthen our pool because you would be a it's part guaranteed. of that. Yeah. It's guaranteed, absolutely. And then things like wages do do come into play as well. But I, I would I would tend to think that if we were going for a play up as part of this European Super League and we were up against, as you say, Southampton and Bournemouth, then I think we would be far more attractive. But the money hasn't burst in the Premiership yet. They would still be able to go, right, well, we'll double what Rangers are paying you in that, unfortunately. You mentioned it there. That's why this is happening, because the rest of Europe are saying, now we're fed up. And I think when you see Milan being outbid for a player by Bournemouth, you think there's something not quite right here. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, just before we finish up, a um, couple of little injury news updates, I guess, at the presser, David. They are getting fewer, which is which is good. Yay, about bloody time. I don't think we could have done any more, but they are getting fewer. I think we're now just down to Lundstrom, obviously, but that's a, a kind of shorter-term thing. Robbie McCrory, which we know about, um, he's still a few weeks away. We got an update on Ridvan Yilmaz, um, another three weeks away. Um I don't know what to make of that one. I don't know if there's been a, a setback there or anything because he did say um, he got a hamstring injury, which was the worst type of hamstring injury you can get, and it would take 12 weeks, but we're now in about week 13, and he's seen another three weeks. So I don't know if if we've rangered it and invented an even worse hamstring injury or if he's had a bit of a, a breakdown there. But he did mention how I think the question was a really good question at the press conference was about the different styles of, of the fullbacks, and he referenced both of their qualities. I think... He is the one that I think we're all still quite keen to see. We've seen a bit of Lawrence, maybe not enough. Um, but Yelmaz, we we've seen flashes that he could be a similar type of of player or a similar type of in- impact that Raskin uh, is having. So hopefully we can get him back soon. But that's just a little bit unfortunate that realistically, with a hamstring injury, with the player in his first season, etc., we're probably not going to see the best of him until next season. No. Absolutely, we're not. Um, to me, uh, though, the fact that Barisic's form has, um, I would argue, has improved under um, under Michael Beale. Uh, that it hasn't been quite the issue that it might have been. But he's a di- he's not a like for like. These are not yeah. two guys who are competing, and it's who's in the best form. Um, yeah. Ridman is somebody different, and for a team that, not recently, but for far too long this season. One of the reasons we have a, a new manager um, would be one-dimensional. Then all the different options that we can get, I'm all for. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to Redvine coming back. Um, he is the one that we just saw glimpses of, very creative, as we know. But right at the start, Michael Beale talked about Bonner goes on the outside. That's his strength. He, he gets on the outside and he puts crosses in. Whereas Redvine turns inside and plays passes. Yeah. A different option and we go yeah. right back to what we talked about at the start some games you need x and some games you need y um so yeah um as soon as he's back brilliant and and the good thing is because Bonner's playing reasonably well you don't need to rush him straight back into the side you can go okay and and be able to look uh, much in the way that we were able to bring Davis back that wee bit slower Goldson we had to just stick in when he was on one leg but it didn't matter luckily he's Connor Goldson and he's a machine yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, this one week, one game a week thing may may work. We've seen with Hadji, for example, that he was able to to play, um, get half an hour or so and then not be seen for, for another two weeks. And it doesn't really feel like he's he's missing loads of games, but he can just get himself back up to speed. Um, interesting point from Ali, is, is Barisic playing better now? He doesn't have a winger in front of him, hug, hugging the touchline. Um, yes, for me, I think, as Michael Beale said, and I think as we always say, Barisic is 
one of the best crossers I, I have seen at Ibrox, certainly yeah. um, in the last uh, last 15, 20 years. Getting him into that position um, is, is always what we should do. You think back to one of my favourite goals that we've scored, the Ryan Kent's goal at, at Parkhead um, in 2019, where it was all about, it was a perfect team goal, all about attacking down the right, dragging the players over, and then that quick switch over to Barisic to bring the ball in for Kent to score. Unlocking him or getting him that overload on that left-hand side is crucial. And I think Ryan Kent, it was to his detriment that he was stuck on the left wing. But I think with Barisic as well, David freeing that up and giving him that capability to go on the outside has has definitely helped. And it's helped his, his assists as well. Yeah, because with Ryan Kent, particularly in Scotland, the opposition are going to stick two, sometimes three, on him. So he was out there with these two or three guys on him. And it was easier for these two or three guys because he didn't have the licence to roam that he has now to shake them off because he's got terrific off-the-ball movement, Ryan Kent. So yep. what he basically had was Bournemouth coming up with the ball and there's his guy coming out to, to track, track him, Ryan Kent, and two others. So you've got six players in this tiny area of the field. And how many times did we see Bournemouth? We'd all get frustrated with it, turn back because there's nothing on, there's nobody to hit, and there's loads of opposing players. It didn't suit either of them. Now he has that space to drive into. And I think it took him a few weeks to almost remember Adam. Yeah. Right. Oh, I, I go there. And muscle now memory. Yeah, muscle memory. I think it took him a, f- a few weeks to remember. Um, uh, or maybe confidence is probably a better, a, a better reason for it. But you then had that, and you have Ryan Kent, who is reborn under Michael Bale and, and clearly because I think we made it too easy for people we we, mm-hmm. we gave him the ball tight on the line with two guys facing him mm-hmm. every time and that is an incredibly difficult thing to, to, to ask of someone so now that there's that bit more space Michael Bale talks a lot about chaos he wants his front yes. players to cause chaos you need movement for that you can't cause chaos if you're in a rigidly stuck in the same places all the time because the opposition can plan around it and I I think it suits both of them and you're seeing that link that they've always had you know you're seeing the one twos and the give and goes Ryan Kent's terrific at dropping in and then just spinning and finding the overlapping bomber Um, it's a massive weapon for us but they both look like they're enjoying their football now and there was a long spell I don't think you could say that yeah and especially when you think if you then add in Kamara's been doing quite well as the sort of glue in the middle of that. Raskin, if he plays in that position as well, linking those three together, it's going to be very, very interesting to see. Um, the other two injury updates were were not as as a positive or didn't give us a timeline, David, and it was Tom Lawrence and, and John Suter. Obviously, I'm a huge Tom Lawrence fan from what we, we've seen. Um, disappointing that they're still training on their own. It feels like with Suter, they're just taking extra care, I think the manager said, or, or maybe more getting his fitness up rather than recovering from an injury I think might have been the terminology there with Lawrence I'm not sure that's five or six months now that he's been out I know there's been a, a setback or two the fact that no time scales are getting put on them is a little bit um, a little bit disappointing uh, I guess but at the same time we don't want to be rushing rushing these players back because they have both been out for five or six months now which is a shame because I think certainly on Lawrence's side, um, as some of the comments have been saying, um, I do think he would have made, he was making an impact. I think he would have gone on to make a really, a really big impact in the team. Oh, absolutely. I, I, that's been the really big miss this season for me has been Tom Lawrence of all the players that have been at, well, Goldson, right? And I yeah. think that the only good thing that came out of Goldson's injury is people could see how 100%. important 
to the team. But um, of the attacking players, then, yeah, definitely Tom Lawrence. And it is frustrating, and, you know, you would hope Rangers are looking at, at why. This, was it misdiagnosed? We don't know. Was the treatment the right one? And you can't obviously change it now, but you can learn. And hopefully if something like this occurs with a player in the future, it won't happen. Um, we'll get him back when we get him back. And again, luckily now, and very much in the case of Suter, the, 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 there's not the desperate need that we had even just a couple of months ago. We have Tillman and uh, Padgy's back, and we've got, obviously, um, Todd Cantwell's in there, Ryan Kent's playing in there. So we've got, you know, Tom Lawrence doesn't need rushed back in at the moment. And I think that's the case with Suter as well. We've got the, the first-choice partnership there, and we've got Leon King, um, who can deputise. So we're in a reasonable place with that. Uh, Lawrence is unfortunate, but we know that that was an injury that, occurred on the pitch. The worrying thing is this this is John Suter's career so far. Yeah. Um, this is not unusual in his career up to this point. And that's the concern going forward. You would hope that once Tom Lawrence recovers, that's him. He's just he goes off and he, he gets back to playing football again. With yeah. Suter, there was always going to be that worry at the back of your mind that something else could happen. I like him our roof. Yeah, which reminds me, actually, we never even mentioned Roof. He's been back in training for over a week, I think, and been contact training for a couple of days. We know the manager's a big fan. I'm a big fan. You're a big fan. I think he might be someone that we might see even for 15, 20 minutes at, at the weekend just to sort of get him back even at Ibrooks and get a get a feel for things. So that'll be good to see him back as well. Five okay. Roof to score the winner in the cup final. Off the bench. Oh, absolutely. And then be injured again. <laughs> yeah. More than likely. See if he does that, he can be injured. Hello. Days and I'll come up and clean his house for Absolutely. Okay, before we go, got a couple of, of shameless plugs. As you can see from the ticker down the bottom, heartandhand.co.uk forward slash Patreon. Um, if you sign up now, you can listen to five, up to five podcasts per day, certainly five on, on match days. We've got a pre-match show, uh, two, three post-match shows, Chief Executive Report, post-match pod, uh, from Colin in the car and then also a post-match press conference from, from David and whoever else is, is in the press room with him on that day. If you go to heartandhand.co.uk forward slash Patreon, you can sign up now. While you're on heartandhand.co.uk, um, you can also have a look at our latest scarf, which is in collaboration with the famous. David, I'm going to see if I can try and do this fancy screen share thing with it. Um, so let me know if it comes up and you can give it a little plug. Here we go. There we go. Well, well done, Adam. Yes. Ooh. What we wanted to do, folks, was to uh, have a, an almost what we call a behind enemy line scarf. So I know a lot. You go to the game and then afterwards you go into town. And obviously, if you've got a bar scarf, there are pubs that go, you're not getting in, mate. So this is a plain black scarf with three red, white, and blue bars, one at the top, one at the bottom, and one very subtly there in the middle, you can see. Um, so it's one that you can wear to the game. And then one you can wear out later on that night without anybody noticing. But if you know, you know. So you'll get guys kind of giving you the, hey, you're a bear, um, which is always uh, always a fun thing. So, yes, if you want to buy it, it comes from the Famous. It's available on our website. Before you used to go, go, well, how much Famous scarves cost a lot, right? But they're worth it. They last forever and they are brilliant. They are top quality. Um, so if you want to buy one, buy one. They are made to order, right? This is a yes. pre-sale, so don't buy it if you've got a birthday on March the 1st and you're expecting it to arrive. It will not because they're not getting stuff made until the start of March. 
it'll probably be a kind of middle of March before you get it. But uh, yeah, they're always good. Uh, we've four or five before. Um, I think now Adam and, and they're always yeah. good. And also, we should have an announcement about something to do with a new building that Rangers have got. Um, and I'll leave it at that. But um, we're just, I believe the phrase is uh, uh, drawing up the contracts stage for that. And uh, basically, just we'll need you to keep a to keep a night clear uh, in May, folks. So if you do that, then uh, yeah, it should it should be should be a lot of fun. Yes, all these, absolutely. All, all these amazing names that we mentioned and. I know. Do you think very, very... And Rangers Castor range rather than ACDC? Because at we least should. you're showing up. <laughs> that's true, that's true. We should, yeah, very excited to hear about whatever that is when it comes out. Um, as David said, head along to the website, heartandhand.co.uk forward slash scarf. You can find it in the shop tab here. There's also a couple of books in there if anyone wants to buy maybe that one <laughs> in the middle. Um I can't believe I'm still plugging that six months after it came out. Um, as David said, the pre-orders open on the scarves until 27th of February, after which the orders will go to be made and delivery will be a few weeks after that. So please don't plan to have it until after the, the end of March, probably. Um, but yes, very, very good scarves. Well, probably, probably three weeks into March you should have it. Yeah. Great. Okay. Um, David, that will do us for tonight. Thank you very much for joining me. An absolute pleasure. Thank you to everyone for, for staying with Even through the plugs there, the number didn't go down, Adam, which surprised me. So thank no, you, folks. Absolutely. As usual, completely overwhelmed with all the comments. I think we got um, as many of them as we could without just turning it into a Q&A show. Um, thank you all for listening. Like I said, head along to heartandhand.co.uk forward slash Patreon if you aren't a subscriber. Um, David will be back um, on Monday with the flagship recapping uh, the, the game against Partick Thistle. Possibly myself and Ali will be back at some point over the weekend with another Tactics Talk bite size that went down very well last Sunday. So myself and Ali might fire up the little tactics pad and show you something that we think might have been interesting from that game. Um, but we will make sure that we plug that early so that you can see it um, when it comes in. But yeah, that will be the plan to do more of those going forward. So once again, as David said, thank you all for joining, for interacting, and we'll speak to you on Monday. Podcast Network.